In the name of Allah, most gracious, ever merciful, welcome, assalamu alaikum, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all from Wednesday morning breakfast show with myself, Kayyum, joining me today, Brother Noor and Brother Shujil. Good morning, gentlemen, assalamu alaikum, peace be on you. You've got to have a bit more energy than that. It's, <laughs> it's, it's the cold. It's, it's, one of those, it's one of those mornings where we need energy. Yeah, definitely. Asalaamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Peace peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. And of course, uh, to all of our listeners uh, out there as well. It is, uh, you know, as Nur said, it is, it is quite a chilly, quite a chilly uh, morning. Did, did, did you have that yeah. same feeling that I did when you turned, when, when you looked at it and you went uh, and then you kind of looked down and you went eh, what <laughs> it's snowing it is yeah, the literally. 8th of March and we it's it's the snow has settled in London the snow the snow has settled yeah it it, it is I mean it is getting a little it is a bit wet yeah so it's still, you know it's a bit it's a bit slippery. You know, slippery it's a bit going here and there but it's it's not as it was uh in, at the end of uh, december or early early january as well where it snowed quite heavily it did and it settled quite a lot as well but the fact that in london it's snowing mm. that's strange because in march as well and in march as well i mean i think it has done before it has done before it, uh, it did but, like a couple of years like five years ago something, right. like, something like that march it was more yeah. mid-march it did but it's mm. when when it snows in london it's, it's strange because london is not one of those city where snow is the norm anymore hmm. you know you don't see salt on the road and and you you hear about it and you see on tv you know everything up north hmm. you know scotland everyone when everybody thinks of snow automatically scotland comes to mind <laughs> you know, our, our brothers and sisters in scotland who are listening to this are thinking yeah now you know how we feel but then but 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 then again when you say that we, they are a little bit a bit more prepared than us all then isn't it oh, they're a lot more prepared man. when it snows over here it's a bit okay what are we going to do now exactly what are we do? It, it should is. we close the schools <laughs> should we, what should we do over should there it's like no it's, it's fine should we close the schools I like you know that. I mean you know, you know how it happens it? it does yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean obviously obviously when it comes to when it comes to public transport when it comes to the underground uh, the, the, the trains the, the buses obviously TFL it, it, everything is more delayed, isn't it? I mean, you see queues, long queues outside, uh, even more so uh, than than normal because because let's face it, because it doesn't snow as much. You know what, what, you, what you just said. We we aren't that much prepared as it comes to as it comes to the north, as it comes to other countries. If you look at Norway, if you look at Canada, if you look at these sort of countries, <clears throat> they're prepared for it. Oh yeah, they're prepared for it, one hundred percent. So let's see what the news, uh, what the weather is saying then. Uh, what is it saying is today is going to be further spells of rain, sleet, snow, with, with uh, which will move across Wales hmm. and central and southern England. Further north we'll see brighter skies, but northern Scotland will have scattered snow showers. Of course. Tonight we'll see snow across the south clear away. Okay, so southern areas was only for today. Hmm. It will then be mainly dry and cloudy, but rain moves into southwest by dawn. The north will be mainly clear, but snow showers in the north of Scotland. That's it, isn't it? It's so it goes back Scotland. to norm. It goes back, yeah. It goes back to norm. <laughs> it goes back to the norm. back to the norm, isn't it? But I think you make a very relevant point. We always talk about it um, mm. in, in on days like this. Um, because it doesn't snow that much in London, mm. the, one of the disadvantages is people have forgotten how to walk and how to drive in this weather, they can't recognize the surface of the road. And it from far, it will look like a puddle. 
it's actually frozen. Mm. You will slip it's on that it. Black ice, you, you got to watch yeah, out for. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's what you got to watch yeah. out for. It's black ice plus it's still cold. Mm. And you you think it's still water on the road. It's not. Um, slush. It, exactly. <laughs> you will slip on it. Well, it's, it's worse. Some places it's worse than slush because it freezes and it's clear. Yeah. Mm. So, so it, it looks, looks like, like water, yeah. but it's not. Uh, yeah, exactly. And similar to cars, it's, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm old enough to remember we used to drive manual cars. And, and when it snowed... What do you mean old? I still have a manual car as well. Really? Yeah. All three she, of us do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I used to. <laughs> but you, I'm, in this weather, you miss the manual car because mm. you have more control over your vehicle. No matter mm. how modern, you know, your anti-lock braking systems with automatics and this and that mm. and Tiptronic, mm. doesn't make a difference. A manual car is so much more controllable. You you have total control over where your car is going to go, or more control, I should say, over an automatic. Mm. I mean, I think I think it's a good point that you make as well, because specifically talking about vehicles, mm. I, I can't remember the last time where where I sort of changed my tires into summer tires or winter tires. Winter tires. I mean, this is the norm in other countries like Norway and Canada and in these countries, but. I mean, yeah, it it does happen here as well, but it's not as much because over here they they promote the all season tire. Hmm. Everything yeah. is I mean, all yeah, season. Yeah. I mean, there's economics yeah. and and of course uh, the, you know the, the the regulations are um, very similar to. I think in America they also have uh, all season tires, but in Europe, as you so rightly say, uh, yeah, I know in, in Germany European, yeah. they're very strict in Europe about. Um, in Winter fact, you can get penalties yeah. if you don't change your oh, tires. Right. Um, if if uh, if uh, you know your, your tires are not in accordance with the season, and I think you know it's uh, <clears throat> it's a good it's a good thing to have, but uh, it is an expensive thing to have too, because um, tires aren't the cheapest. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, yeah, they they aren't cheap as well. But the thing is, is that when when the weather conditions are such, you don't you know you don't you don't want to put your health on the line as well, isn't it? I mean, hundred well, percent, especially that's the thing, isn't it? It is. You're hundred percent correct. Um, that uh, you know, health has to come first. But hmm. you know, we we I, we were discussing a couple of weeks ago about this cost of living crisis thing. <laughs> the first thing people compromise on is the quality of their food hmm. and their health. Everything else, they don't compromise on. They they won't compromise on spending. <laughs> yeah. They won't compromise on fashion. They won't compromise on vehicles. The new phones. The, the new, new phones. Yeah, the new devices, everything. Yeah, that's true. That's actually quite true. It, and it kind of makes you realize how people have really got their priorities wrong. Not because not, not because that they... Is the, I, I don't always blame them for it, but that's what they're told to do in media because suddenly you will see all these... Progress. Even now, look at TV. What's the first thing that you see? So many food shows telling you how to compromise or how to save money on food and how to go for, um, you know, how to save money on your food shopping. There's one element which is good because they promote healthy eating. Hmm. However, it's, to me, it's the quality of food which they, when people compromise on, I think, well, you work all day long, all week long, all year long to ensure that you get good food on your table. But that's the first thing people tend to compromise on. And that's one of the primary things that is affecting their health and everything else that goes with that, right? That's right. Mm. So, um, you know, the other things that we tend not to not to look at, like you said, we have so many subscriptions, like either yeah. Netflix, or there's Prime, there's there's Amazon, there's all these different kind of things that, yeah. that people have. But then they first things like, hmm, how can I have a cheaper meal? 
and with a cheaper meal normally comes uh, less nutrition exactly. and further uh, processed food and all of that exactly. yeah, yeah. you, you exactly. said the right word yeah. phone yeah. as soon as there's a new phone oh people are que- people are still mm. queuing up mm. for a phone I'm like what's so different about it it's probably got one new icon on it <laughs> or the camera is gone from 3 to 4 or 4 to 5 yeah which you will never use. <laughs> you will it's, never it's true, use. It's true. You probably only use it like once or twice in during in that whole year, isn't it? That's right. But yeah, it's. It, I mean, yeah. What what you just said, I think that was a nail nail on the head. It's priorities. Yeah. And once you put your priorities right, then you know, then you can say, yeah, fine, I've done something positive. But if you're not putting your prior priorities in the right place, that's when that's when things uh, tend to tend to go wrong. As always, we are here with uh, some interesting topics that we're going to be talking about. It is International Women's Day today. We're going to be covering that uh, briefly. Um, we're going to be talking about um, it's World Wildlife Day. And it's also, we're going to be talking about how spectacular fossils reveal a prehistoric rainforest. Mm. Um, interesting topics. Um, and uh, we will have some guests who will shed some light on these topics and if you want to contribute on, on any of these if you have anything to say or if you uh, <clears throat> wish to air your voice we would love to hear from you 0208687878 you can join us on our social media platforms at voice of islam uk or you can email us via our website www.voiceofislam.co.uk but as always let's go and have a look at what the headlines are saying in the papers and uh, Strange, strange happenings in in our home country at the moment. Um, Prime Minister is laying down a law um, in respect of he's going to be backing Suala Braverman, the Home Secretary, on this very, very controversial bill to control, as they say, the boat people. Hmm. Hmm. Um, And a word which mainstream media keeps using, even our politicians keep using, they all claim to be lawyers, but they say illegal immigrants, illegal asylum seekers. You can't be an illegal asylum seeker. It's not illegal to be in the channel. It is not illegal to come on the borders. It is not illegal to claim asylum. So where does the illegality come into it? Mm. That's the spin to get that populist mindset going, thinking, oh, these people are coming still to take our jobs. Well, they're not. Um, And uh, even if they are, um, it's their right. We destroyed their country. But that's another argument. That's it's another discussion <laughs> for another day. Uh, yeah, um, exactly. Um, <clears throat> but uh, somebody that has made a comment um, and has got himself into trouble um, is Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker has become uh, very famous for making political comments. On um, Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter, yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes I agree with him, sometimes I don't. Over the World Cup football, I didn't agree with him. Um, and uh, I'm, I, I tweet, um, so um, he knew how I felt. Um, yeah, it was mean, Gary, if you're listening. <laughs> um, but he has got himself into trouble. Um, BBC have said they might uh, take action against him because he's made um, a jibe, um, as the paper says, towards this policy. And he's referred to it um, that it's akin to Nazism, something like that, that this is what the Nazis uh, yeah, I think he ble- I believe he said... Um the, the the language used was akin to the language used That's right. in, in the 1930s exactly. Germany. Which is, which is similar to, if you think about it, go back a few weeks, that uh, the lady, the Holocaust survivor, mm. when she mm-hmm. um, spoke directly to Suala Braberman um, and she questioned, and she said, well, as a Holocaust survivor, I remember 
the Nazis using the same terminology that you're using. Mm. And there wasn't even an apology for it. So it's like a, it, this has been a built-up of, um, um, of, of extreme policies, um, I would say desperate policies. And the government has got itself into a pickle and uh, they're looking for uh, short and, and sweet um, um, remedies which only pleases a certain element of uh, um, a political mindset. I think also there's a, there's a whole political side to it as well. Yes. There you know, is. he set out, Rishi Sunak has set out five priorities. One yes. of those is stop the boats. Yeah. And um, they're trying to show, you know, like the world, like, you know, we are doing something about it as a government. And you know, saying to the opposition, to the Labour, like, okay, what are you going to do now? So it's kind of like, you know, we're doing stuff about, you know, the issues that we are facing in the, in the UK. Um, but you guys, you know, you're just tearing around, doing nothing. Um, you know, we're getting things done. Just like they're talking about Brexit, being uh, getting getting Brexit done and all that. Getting Brexit done. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it might appease to a, a number of people in the UK, but at the same time, look how much con- controversy it's brought with it. Without a doubt. And and I think you make a, an excellent point with, with respect of Labour, and I think that's where they're failing. They're failing miserably in telling people that they're very good at criticising but they're, they're completely failing in what they're going to do. Yeah, they've not made it clear. They've not made it clear. Mm. Um, uh, you know, sometimes the Labour leadership says something, whereas the Labour Party says something different. Mm. Uh, and since the, 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 that uh, Jeremy Corbyn scenario where they've, they've not allowed him back into the party, it's kind of... It's, it's, I would say, maybe it's a strong word, cracks are starting to appear in um, um, in, in the, the minds of people who were very pro-Corbyn. If you remember, yeah. Corbyn was very, very strongly supported. Hmm. Um, and whereas Keir yeah. Starmer, yeah. Right. I, I'm seeing Labour being very Tory-like, um, and I don't know why. And people, people do say that Sir Keir Starmer, he's basically... A he's Boris a, Johnson wannabe. He's, he's, a, he's a Tory in disguise. <laughs> yeah. In a Labour suit. Yeah. That's it. I mean, his policies are sort of, they're not that much different to, to, mm. to you know, to the Tories. Yeah. But it's, you know, that's, but then, but then you have, you know, that's where you get the opposition as well from his own party, mm. just like you said. Yeah. But then Jeremy Corbyn, you know. He was the, too far left. That yeah, was he, a problem. But then he still had the support from his from his party. Isn't he did. He? he did have the majority of the support. Yeah. But this person, uh, Sakir Starmer, he, you know, you see his party, and they completely sometimes they strongly disagree with what he's saying. I mean, I I, I go back to the peace symposium where His Holiness Azim Azim Suraman, the fifth Caliph of the Promised Messiah, may Allah strengthen his hand. He, he when he talked about peace, everybody's automatically think he's talking about world peace. He's talking peace from your local level even domestic level even domestic mm. level because it's got to start from domestic in order for it to expand and grow to go up yeah. to, uh, to 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 an international stage and as a country i don't see peace i mean do you see anything different from me do, do i mean are we not in a turmoil we seem to be going more right and populist polarized and yeah. and and, and, and Political parties are, again aren't that different. I mean, at the moment, it's only Maine is is Labour and Tory. Yeah. Um, I think this is the perfect time for someone like Sarah Davy to ramp up, um, you know, Liberal Democrats and come out with some radical. And mm. I think there needs to be some radical 
it, it sounds strange, some radical centrist policies. Because <laughs> <laughs> to be centrist and radical doesn't work. Yeah. But that's what it's got to, where being a centrist would become radical. Because everything is going towards the right. Um, you know, Green Party, even independence. Mm. Hmm. If they were to get together, you know, I, I sometimes wonder, maybe we need to have a hung parliament where where, where political parties are forced to go down a coalition route where everyone's voice is heard. That's always messy, though. Always it is messy. Yeah. But, you know, PR, proportional representation, is something that does work. It's worked in Europe forever. I, I mean, look at Germany. Hmm. You know, it's it's a... Uh, uh, it's been a coalition forever, even um, and when Angela Merkel was uh, was a leader. Um, she was a chancellor, but she was practically the leader, isn't it? She was. Yeah. She, but she was. But she uh, earned the respect yeah. across yeah. the board, across Europe, across the world. Actually. Yes. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say, had uh, Merkel been in power still, this war wouldn't have happened. I know a lot of people say this about Trump, but they joke. Mm. But politically, Angela Merkel was strong. She um, she wasn't worried about being unpopular. She was worried about the benefit of the country long term. Look at the asylum mm. and the immigrant the immigrants. How the, she dealt with them allowed a million people in, and then filled all the jobs. Labor the, the only country in Europe at the moment who's not crying about labor is who Germany, <laughs> because they filled everything. Yeah, and yes, they still and people don't know they're still sending people back. They're still dealing with those million people and who don't qualify over a period of time they're saying okay we're going to pay for you to go back because your case is not successful hmm. something yeah. that we can learn from from uh, uh, maybe from Germany that's the issue we have here in the UK though it seems like these parties are singing to the tune of the public that's right and wherever the public opinion sways they seem to be going that way as well without having to look at the the real what actually what's actually benefiting the you know, the public and public. benefiting the people who are being directly affected by this. Yeah. I remember watching in the on Netflix, there's a there's a, a program called the um, a film called The Swimmers, um, which covers the route that two Syrian girls had to had to take to escape their war torn country of Syria uh, to get to Germany in, um, at the end. But the, the way that they had to cross the channels as well to get to Europe and um, all the all the trauma and all the, the the seas that they had to brave as well is something which is it, I couldn't I couldn't fathom having to do myself, let alone young young children and, and and women who are pregnant. So you know, for them to finally reach the country that they've they've wanted to get to, and then being told you're out of it, you're out of it. I mean, that, what what could be more demoralising? And than there's that? so many myths, you know, uh, that uh, our politicians even don't correct. You know, we talk about there's a responsibility on every country to take a number, certain number of people. We've taken less than one percent of the world's um, immigrants. Who th there's a hundred million people on the move. We've taken less than one. I think somebody and correct me. I'm sure somebody will call and correct me. I think it's around half a percent. That I think that's what Gary Lineker was allu alluding to as well. Yeah. That we're taking a lot less than the other major countries. Exactly. Well. Yeah. We, you know, we and and another thing that people talk about is the benefit, the welfare system. Our welfare system doesn't look after enough of our own people. How are they going to be looking after people coming from overseas? And we we have, I think, um, it was in Europe, we have the ninth or the tenth worst welfare system within Europe. Germany, Italy, France, welfare systems are far more better for someone who um, 
is uh, on um, is is uh, a recipient of welfare. So this notion that oh they're coming here for the money, hmm. well no, that's you don't, false. You know, it's <laughs> absolutely false. Um, you know, just Google it. I mean, go to Uncle Google. <laughs> you normally go to Uncle Google. Go there. Go there today. Uncle Google will teach loads of things to you. <laughs> but th- there's these myths that oh we we do our bit. We don't. We don't do our bit. Um, we talk about safe passages. Only the Ukrainian have safe passages. <laughs> the Syrians don't. Iraqis don't. Iranians don't. Um, Just picking and choosing. Se- yeah. Selective sympathy. Selective, exactly. Yeah. Selective sympathy. Exactly. It's, you know, and and the, the funny thing is, whenever they do talk about safe passages, the first p- people they talk about are the Ukrainians. And in fact, what they're doing is they they, and they're always successful in this division idea of of they they divide the Ukrainians from the other. Um, um, immigrants and they create this thing like well they're getting it why aren't we getting it hmm. Whereas, I think it's important to, to know that we, obviously we do sympathize with whoever is going through exactly um, difficulties throughout the world wherever there's there's trauma the catastrophes wherever there's war yes um, it's, but it's about justice that's what we're trying to talk about right, that's it. right now isn't it about that needs to be said across the, fair, the board fair plane right yeah exactly but going back to the papers Interesting news in the Times, the United, and and I'm surprised that nobody's picked up on this, and and I don't know why, because Russia was blamed, like you know, with a blindfold on by the West, mm. that the Russians had blown up the pipeline. The United States intelligence believes it was pro-Ukrainians who blew up the pipelines. Mm. United States doesn't release or leak statements like this if there's not, you know, as they say, there's no smoke without fire. Yeah. Yet only one paper has picked up on it, and when the the pipeline was uh, was uh, damaged, everyone had Putin's face on it, on the paper and talking about, and this is the injustice as well. Yeah, because Putin even said yeah. at the time, "This the, it's the West meddling with it. It's, it's not us. It's them, exactly. probably yeah. that we need to be talking about peace. We we, we need to be talking about um, let's get on on let's get everyone around the table." And when China does get everybody around the table or proposes it, we write them off, which is the most mm. bizarrest thing. And it reminds me of, uh, you know, West has become so arrogant, thinking that they're so, we, we have become so arrogant that we think we are superior to everybody in everything. Yet the turmoil in the world um, majority of it, we are contributors towards it as well as all the other countries. But we we fail to see that. We really, really fail to see that. Um, but with the discussion we had about migration, um, untold amount of organisations have said they're going to be challenging this in 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 the courts. Um, and the Times is talking about how Rishi Sunak is going to apparently be ready to battle judges. Um, over the migration, I think Suella Bravman has said herself said to all the MP, the Tory MPs, that more than fifty percent likely that it's against the the the, the law. How strange the, is exactly, that? The convention that they had for the rights of uh, asylum. It, it's it's very strange. And um, the Daily Telegraph leads with how BBC is being urged, and this kind of it puts into disrepute, I would say, or puts into question the independence of BBC where the ministers are saying to BBC, you need to punish hmm. Gary Lineker yeah. for for making for what, these for remarks. Well, yeah. Twitter is an independent platform. but And you can't stop an individual for airing his opinion, whether you agree with it or disagree with it. Hmm. it this, this, when it doesn't suit your narrative, suddenly you want to punish him. 
Just showing exactly. a bit of a two-face as well because if they want to talk about political agendas yes. remember in the Qatar World, 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 World Cup yeah, they exactly. refused to show exactly. the opening ceremony as well exactly so what sort of political um, uh, what do you call it opinion are they trying to show there it's absolutely bizarre it's absolutely. pick and choose at the moment it is pick and choose um, from an environmental news point of view um, the eye covers a very important topic and it says carry on sewage pumping water firms are told to self police their pollution this makes me laugh <laughs> you know um, water companies are private companies who are in it to make money end off yeah. mm. they are private companies not a public sector mate. so they want to make the billions so if we're going to tell them guess what we're not, we, don't have the, we don't have the resources we don't have the money of the people to police you so you can do it yourself and they are pumping sewage for crying out loud, um, in, into 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 <laughs> it, the beggars beggars believe the environment agency is now relying on water firms to report their own polluting. Uh, you know, <laughs> and they just said that we're not going to check it. Exactly. <laughs> just, just be honest with us, please. That's it. <laughs> you know, the paper says the watchdog has admitted we no longer has a we do, we no longer have a target for inspecting sewage. And that prosecution, prosecutions of polluters have fallen from 768 a year to what number? <laughs> I've already seen that. 17. I've already seen it. <laughs> 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 how, how bizarre is that? It is, you know, and we still vote for these people. Mm. We, are, we are to blame too. I'm not going to blame any. We as voters. Yeah. We are like you blame. said, like these kind of stories are not being highlighted. So they're seeing, like, you know, if the public's not really against these kind of things, we can quick, just get away with it, hush, yeah. you know, hide it under the, under the carpet. Yeah. yeah. It is coming up to 7.30. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go on to our first topic of the morning, which is spectacular fossils reveal a prehistoric rainforest. Do stay tuned and join us after a short break. Welcome back to Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Kayum, and joining me today is Brother Noor and Brother Shurjil. And uh, that was uh, a mistake I made just before the break. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we're going to start off with International Women's Day. It is being celebrated today. but it is strange. Three men, you're wondering, three men talking about International Women's Day. Well, it's I, I, I 
hear it a lot of times when people say, oh, um, that uh, only women should be talking about Women's Day. Well, I have a mother, I have a sister, I have daughters and I have a wife. Um, I have to, I have the right to celebrate um, success of uh, women as much celebrate the equality being earned in this country, which was, um, we always hear it, um, that suffragettes gave up um, a lot, made sacrifices for women to get the vote. And back in 1928, I think, um, I'm sure people will call and correct me. Um, but that's what, uh, less than 100 years ago. Um, but one thing I want to shout from the rooftops is that the religion of Islam, the peaceful religion of Islam, gave equality to women 14, nearly 1,500 years ago. Um, and the right of women being equal was given by God Almighty. Um, I still think it's fantastic we celebrate this day. I think it's time to admit some truths and to become more inclusive about where and learn from uh, cultures, religions, faiths, belief systems, schools of thoughts, which have been practicing equality for a lot longer than 1928. Gentlemen, what's your take on on uh, um, on this day? I mean, <coughs> exactly. Sorry, pardon me. Exactly what you just mentioned as well. That you know the the Western nations they they claim that they've given women uh, women their rights. Whatever rights there may be, whether mm. it's the right to right of inheritance, rights of education, rights of actually going into university and earning a degree, whether it's rights of um, divorce, divorce as well, property rights, property rights, whatever, whatever it may be, even the right to vote mm. and contribute to to society as well. These Western nations, they they take pride and they say, yes, we have, we have champion, we're the champions. Of, of giving of women these women rights. of women yeah. rights as well, but but you know quite rightly what you just mentioned, Islam has given these rights, Allah the Almighty has given these rights, so many centuries ago, fourteen centuries ago, yeah. and uh, at at that at that time where women were actually oppressed even more so, so much before uh, you know before the before the advent of Islam, yeah. you know they they were considered nothing. Literally. Well, children, um, couples who had daughters. You know, they looked upon the daughter as such a liability. They used to bury them alive. Yeah, yeah. Some you tribes know, used to do that. This, yeah. this is some. Tri this was a practice of some tribes, and that was ceased. That was stopped by the advent of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. That was one of the first things hmm. that was stopped because it was deemed as barbaric. But you you mentioned this point that, which I think is so relevant, because I sometimes wonder, even now the 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 movement, the women's movement or, you know, whatever movement you want to call it, you're still fighting for your right from men. Exactly. You will always be that one step behind because you're, you're, you're asking for it from the wrong people. Exactly. Isn't that kind of rational and logical? I mean, these, I mean, if you look at the policymakers, yeah. most of them are men, isn't it? Exactly. What's them changing their policies? I yes. mean, we see laws changing here and there. A few decades ago, the law was something. 
a few decades later into the future, the law will be something else. Just look at, as if it's something of the past, just look at what's happening in America right now where the yeah. law's to do with abortion. That's right. Who's exactly. making those decisions? Exactly. Yeah. It's not even women. They're not no. even allowed to have any autonomy over their own bodies. Literally. Exactly. It's, it's, exactly. it's just men who are, are judging that they know better. Um, there's some funny adverts that they put out as well, how, you know, even if the child has so many, mm. um, has basically zero chance of survival, and if they do, then it will be like a, a life of torment for them and for the parents. But even then, because there's a politician somewhere uh, in Congress who has decided, no, you can't um, terminate this, mm. they're not, they don't have that right to do anything. When, when but even if, one, even if one was to look at the narrative that they talk about freedom, what, what kind of freedom is it that they throw at you? It's based on sex, physical appearance, um, and, and sold to you as freedom of you can do what you want to do. Nobody ever celebrates the intellect, the achievements, the successes mm. of women. And the true understanding, the true soul, the, the, the soul of a person is based on what they have achieved. That's how people are recognized, for what good they have done to society. Yet that seems to be, I'm not saying it doesn't get highlighted, but it will not be mainstream. When mainstream wants to talk about freedom of women, they talk about well, freedom are women are free to do what they want. Mm. That is freedom about LGBT and all of this. That's right. Or, it? or you know, you know, it's it's sexualization of women. Yeah, exactly. Sexualization of women is deemed as oh freedom. Mm. They weren't able to do that before. Now they're able to do it. And they've, they've almost become objects once again. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's the the irony of it is that at the time prior to Islam, women were things which were inherited. Yes, Ima- imagine they so were the inheritance. They were, they were and when, options, and, then, yeah. and when the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him came, they were the ones who were then given the right to inheritance. Yes, so they were given that economical uh, independence. And so the the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, he realized and he recognized that women have that um, competence and they have that intellectual ability to do just as much as men are able to do, if not more, in some areas. And so even um, in terms of education, he told the men themselves that you, if you want to learn half of your faith, go to uh, Aisha, may Allah be pleased yeah. with her. For He didn't say go to any man or anything like that. He no. said that go to this woman because yeah. she will teach you things, that side of Islam which you do not know. Yeah. Because women are the ones who have to suffer in, in, in certain aspects and they're the ones who will learn from it. It will be unfair for me not to... Men, to it will be for, for, for unfair for me not to kind of balance the narrative here that... A lot of Muslim countries don't practice Islam when it comes to this particular topic, mm. which is why a lot of Western nations kind of give examples of, well, look at this country and look at that country and look at Afghanistan and look at Taliban and look at... Well, they're not practicing the Islam that was brought to us by the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. What they've done is uh, there's a mixture of tradition, culture, bit of religion. They've kind of put it all together and they've created a stew that they call... Islam hmm. and which is no self-concocted exactly it isn't an authentic teaching if one was to go back to the authentic teachings of the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him you will find that he never says he gave equal rights to women it was God Almighty who gave equal rights to no, women it's, it's good that you mentioned that as well because a lot of these countries they you know they have a lot of villages that's right and then when those you know the people in those villages the villagers they practice their 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 customs their traditions yeah. i'm not talking about islamic traditions no. 
I'm, to- I'm not talking about religious tradition. I'm talking about cultural sort of practices. That is when they say that these culture, these, this culture is Islam. That's when the problems arise. And that's exactly what happens in these countries. And then, these, and then the Western nations, they look at these countries, then they say, oh, you do this, you do this. Just, like you, just like you mentioned. Mm. And then they think that Islam is like this, when actually that's, that's got nothing to do with Islam. That's got to do with some backward uh, guy from a farm yeah. who's living in a village and doesn't know anything about Islam, but he's saying, yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a follower. And one thing people forget in subcontinent, this is a, a very common complaint from the, 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 the subcontinental region of the world. But people need to also f- realize that these were areas which were colonized. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of these traditions and customs were f- of the colonizers <laughs> that were adopted by the, col- the people of the colonies. Hmm. And if, if one goes back over 100 odd years ago, um, Hinduism, Christianity and other faiths um, were active in... Um, destroying and uh, maligning the word um, of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And a lot of people did convert to Hinduism and Christianity. In fact, if one was to look at the colonized, um, um, the colonies around the world, uh, Christianity is uh, the main religion, in fact, across Africa, Mm. a lot of Asia. um, And even though after getting independence, just because you've got independence on a nation basis doesn't mean that your habits and the customs and the traditions that you have um, kind of practiced over the, the over a period of your life will suddenly disappear. Because even if you want, if you were to go to Pakistan today, a lot of uh, the the traditions and the celebrations they do they are akin to more celebrated in Hinduism. Mm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because of the overlap and because. Um, of the intermingling of cultures with each other, it's habits that were developed. And again, as uh, Brother Shajil, you said that people have kind of put all of these, all of these things together, concocted it together, and and they've decided to call it Islam. Yeah, and that's the and and that's the you know that's the worst thing that they can actually do. Yes, that's the worst thing that they can. Actually but then it do. suits the narrative. It suits the narrative as well. But the thing is, is that's when that's when education comes into play as well. A lot of things which people thought, um, you know, twenty, thirty years ago, they thought that this was Islamic. Now, because you know, you know, because of the because of the age of modern technology, and where we have access to a lot of knowledge around the world, we actually know what the teachings of Islam actually are, and we can read these different books, we can read different things, we can actually come together and then realize what the Islamic teachings actually are. And then we can read the Holy Quran, the, the translations of the Holy Quran, the commentaries as well. But back in those days, there was no access to these things. So that's why, that's why it's very important for, for, for uh, especially these uh, Eastern nations as well to be, to be educated. And that's when education uh, comes into play. I think that's also important that we remember that. That's why we believe that the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, came in a time when yeah. there was this deprivation within the religion of Islam and it had declined so much so to the point where you know, people were leaving Islam in droves because they didn't find their answers. Mm. So God Almighty then uh, would have had to send somebody to then revive the religion and then bring, it, bring the true face of Islam once again. And that's what we're doing here today as well. We're bringing that voice back to Islam and we're trying to show the world you know, mm. that what is being portrayed in the media is just suiting the narrative that they want to show. But the true face of Islam 
is the is the beauty which we are trying to show right now is that the the rights of women um which has not been granted in in other um in other scriptures you can say mm. the right to inheritance the right to their own money or the right to divorce themselves uh, divorce their husbands um you know there's so many there's so many rights which are there to the point where I, me- I remember in the time I read that in the time of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him um, because women did not have the right to even speak up against uh, yeah. against the men or anything like that they didn't have the right to even an opinion but when the Holy Prophet peace be upon him came um, there was a certain matter being discussed in one of the households of a companion and I think the wife spoke up and said this is my suggestion this is my opinion and when the companion said to her you, you remain silent um, you don't have that right to speak mm. like that and she said no no, you remain quiet now because now that the Prophet Muhammad has come, mm. he has given us the power yes. and given us, he empowered us to show our opinions as well and show that we have worth and we have that value as well to give our own opinions. And you have to listen to us now. You do not have the right to tell me this anymore. Awesome. Mm. So, so imagine, imagine from becoming from becoming just just mere objects yeah. to being able to speak up to even the ones who owned you in the first place. That is the power that Islam has given to the world and to the world for women in, in particular. And you know, Very it's. Really. Um, the narrative uh, we recently went through National Hijab Day. Mm. They're celebrating hijab. Yeah, and they always say, "Well, in Islam, wearing the hijab means you're suppressing women." <laughs> and and the argument always is, "Well, the hijab covers the head, not the brain. It doesn't stop a <laughs> it doesn't stop a woman from thinking. Yeah. It doesn't stop her operating her mind um, to 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 make a decision whether she wants to wear one or she or or, or not." Um, it is a personal choice. Um, nobody forces anyone to do it. Um, but the West, again, this goes back to the conversation we were having earlier, the arrogance of the West. They talk about women. Yet, how many countries have had women leaders? We talked about Angela Merkel. We Margaret Thatcher and Theresa May, UK have had. But New Zealand had it as well. New Zealand had. Mm. But then we're talking recent years. Um we talk of uh, the the policemen of the world, America. They've never had a female leader. They've never given the opportunity to women. What if if one was to look at heads of states in, in Muslim countries? The most famous one was Benazir Bhutto hmm. from Pakistan. Hmm. She was the prime minister twice. Um, guess what? She wore a headscarf at times, but she wore a headscarf. Then there was Khalid Azia. She was the prime minister of Bangladesh. Um, there was uh, Tansu Chilla, who was uh, Prime Minister of Turkey. Hmm. Even today, Sheikh Hasina, second time around. Um, she's, the, um, <clears throat> she's the Prime Minister of Bangladesh. We have uh, Madhur Boy, Senegal, Prime Minister of Senegal. Um, we've got Indonesia, President of Indonesia. Then there was uh, President of Kyrgyzstan, um, a female. President of Kosovo, Muslim. Women, Prime Minister of Mali, Prime Minister of Northern Cyprus was a Muslim lady. Prime Minister of Senegal again, another woman. President of Mauritius was a Muslim woman. (laughs) Shall I carry on? (laughs) I mean, President of Singapore, a hijab-wearing Muslim woman. Guess what? She does, you know, again, I say it, the hijab covered the head. Not the brain. Not the brain. Again, another hijab-wearing President of Tanzania, Muslim woman. President of Kosovo, another, was a different, another woman. The Prime Minister of Tunisia. Can we name the same number of countries in the West where they've had Muslim leaders? Mm. Women leaders. Women leaders, sorry, yep. No. 
Yet Islam is the one who's criticized for not giving women hmm. their rights. This is proof with the number of um, Muslim ladies who have gone to the top and they have been leaders of countries. Yet we, you know, we, we sit back and we allow the West to, to propagate this absolutely wrong narrative of um, women, um, uh, you know, gained freedom in 1928. No, they didn't. You, the, the West was playing catch up. You still haven't caught up. Because women still don't have rights in equal pay. They don't have equal... The, 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 abortion the, rights. Yeah, the abortion gender pay rights. Um, yeah. um, they still don't have rights in divorce. Hmm. Even in divorce, there, there are still issues. In property rights, there I are issues. I was going to say, even inheritance Islam, inheritance. Islam ensured that everybody who was entitled to that yes. inheritance was given it. Even in the laws today in the West... If somebody somebody can bypass that and yep. and deprive them completely by writing a will, that's right. And say I don't want any of it to go to this child or to that person or to this person. So you know which 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 laws have been uh, more complete, the ones presented by Islam fourteen hundred years ago, or the ones which are still being developed and scrutinized um, in this day and age. You know, more and more women are realizing the beauty and the equality being represented by Islam. Um, in the recent survey, I think I was uh, reading in in the Western nations. I think it was just over 200,000 people um, converted to Islam in the past year. About 60 to 65 to 70% were women. Interesting. Wow. Because yeah. they found true equality in Islam. They found liberation by wearing the hijab. But these statistics... I'm not saying they're fact, they're someone's opinion, but I'm sure whoever did the survey um, wouldn't have done it and put it on mainstream um, you know, platforms, that there are more women who are accepting Islam, and they're accepting Islam because when they started wearing, and they all say it, when they started wearing the hijab, they felt more free. They felt less judged. They, they they started being recognized for their intellect and for their achievements, uh, which were um, um, which were about them, not what their f physical presence was. Mm. You know, because the true self of a person is in the head, not in what you look like. You know, I think the, uh, the practical a practical example of that in our community, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Is the annual convention, the yes, Jalsa Salana. That's right. Where where the men have their own sort of uh, you know their own setup. Yep. The women have their own setup, and the yep. women are in charge of the, of the women. The men are in charge of the men. Yep. The women are in charge of the women. Yep. And you know somebody asked His Holiness, you know the worldwide head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, the fifth Caliph of the Promised Messiah, may Allah be his helper, um, that you know why is there segregation? Well, why don't you just mix it up? And he he said that when women are not working under the shadow of of men, then they flourish more. When they're independent, they excel, yes. then they then that's when they excel. And the prime example of that is the Jalsa Salon. If anyone wants to, you know, you know, come and visit that and see that for their own eyes, um, for themselves, they can come and do that. And that's uh, you know that's a very is it. This is one of the reasons why the second caliph of the community, may God be pleased with him, he set up these different auxiliary organizations as well. 
for the women's. They set up another women's auxiliary organization. The men should have their own. The elders, the young, the youth, they should have their own organization so that that demographic can actually work together and flourish. When, you know, sort of when, when there is, when everyone's working together, everyone has their own opinion. And obviously, the men want to be more dominant, isn't it? But when women are working independently, doing their own thing and striving for, you know, for their own cause, that's when they can flourish as well. They know their needs so. better than the men. They know their needs better than the men, literally. <laughs> yeah. literally. And at times they even out, out, outdo what the men can they do. They outshine the men exactly. as well. I, I, was, mean, I was reading yeah. even like in, um, just, uh, just one example is that uh, in peace talks mm. for, for countries where there's, where there's war or where there's, you know, there's conflict, um, the, the, when women were involved in those peace talks, I think 64% of the time, there's 64% less chance of them failing the peace mm. talks and, and the peace talks lasted longer. So I think there's there's definitely merit in um, um, they do have a lot of merit and they do have a lot mm. of um, ability to to do things. But sometimes male, men even fail at. I mean, women are they are more te- uh, tend to have be a, be a bit more compassionate, isn't it? Yeah. They they I mean look, look at mothers the what what they what they go through uh, taking care of the children, taking care of all of these things. A father could do couldn't really do what a woman can do, isn't it? What what a mother can do. So it's just about it's 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 the way that women are built. Uh, also, they're more compassionate, they're more forgiving as well. So when it comes to peace talks, yeah, definitely. Uh, but obviously, when it comes to different policies, when it comes to different things which the which the which the Western nations look at, they just want they just want their own agenda. They just want to be power. They're power hungry. They want to fill up their own pockets, and that's what that's what exactly what they do. I think they, it's they don't easy. let it's, women come. Yeah. It's come easy in. to conflate uh, two things. Um, one is equal rights hmm. and the other is um, being exactly the same so hmm. we two different things yeah they're two yeah. different things whereas yeah. a lot of the times people try to allege that men and women are exactly the same but they're not yeah but sometimes I think have people own... make an argument for the sake yeah. of it yeah. look it's uh, it's it's you know when, when tennis is playing um, people say well a woman plays three sets so it's the best uh, of uh, best of three. Best of three, yeah. where men is best of five. But mm. it's uh, it's uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. I- interesting that people think well, women should also do five. Mm. But then, from a physical point of view, yeah, um, men have more strength. Yeah, they're built different. But let's go and talk to um, a caller. We have uh, with us. Uh, good morning, Asanikum. Peace be on you. Uh, yeah, I'm just a um, an FD everyone here. Um, yeah, I just wanted to, um, as I've just said, um, contribute that with the discussion. Um, and I myself, I'm organising an international myself, uh, where we're having different uh, speakers coming along, um, and I've opened this event to many different people so that. Just because I believe passionately that whenever you want to bring change, it has to come from conversations. And I think that's why having conversations like this on the station is quite powerful. Because when you discuss about women's rights, it's not just women's rights. If, if one, one aspect of society isn't given rights, um, and we believe that only you know, women's rights is something we're talking about, well, actually, if women aren't given rights, then a different aspect of society will also not be given rights. So uh, rights in itself is a... Quite, though it might be something that could be seen as a social construct, in itself is quite powerful to talk about these rights. So yeah, I just wanted to say that. And thank you again for discussing this on this presentation. And where is this event that you are organising? Uh, King's College, London. 
It's and it's under International Women's Day. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for taking time and giving us a call and contributing on our show this morning. Uh, may peace be with you. And there you have it. We were worried about not having a, a female contributor to the show. Hmm. Now the, the discussion is balanced. One woman is equal to three men. <laughs> <laughs> Intellect. All three of us. Now, just joking, before anybody gets into a into into uh, you know a huff and a puff about what did he say uh, no, no, no. I, I was just joking <laughs> gonna get cancelled you know <laughs> <laughs> i'm 52 go for it <laughs> you are listening to the breakfast show with myself kayoum brother noor and brother churjil we are coming up to the hour um when we come back from uh, the eight o'clock news we will conclude this uh, segment um so do stay tuned and join us after the 8 o'clock news. He claimed to be that lost one, awaited by all major fates of the world. He claimed to be that Krishna that Hindus were waiting so long for. He claimed to be that Buddha about whose coming the previous Buddha had prophesied. He was that Jesus son of Mary, awaited by both Christians and Muslims alike. He said he was the great reformer predicted by Guru Baba Nanak, as well as the second coming of Zoroaster. He said that his mission was to bring all mankind to the realization that there is a God. He sought to bring about revolutions inside people so that they would fulfill the rights of each other as well as fulfill the rights of God. Now, just who was he? He was the Messiah of mankind, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Ghadian, and he was not a liar. 1400 years ago, the holy prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of God be upon him, claimed that the promised Messiah of all faiths would appear to the east of Damascus. It is recorded in writing that around 100 years ago, this Messiah, sitting in an unknown, undeveloped Indian village, which lay on the same latitude to the east of Damascus, no less, received the following revelation in the Arabic language, Bala Dimashq, meaning destruction in Damascus. He prophesied the first and second world wars, and he also predicted that a great war would start from here. It is no secret that the Syrian civil war is the biggest crisis of our time. A conservative estimate states that over half of a million people have been killed since the Syrian civil war started in 2011. However, the number is sure to be significantly higher. Similarly, it is estimated that 11 million Syrians have fled the country since the war began. The pre-war population has been estimated to be 22 million. With different factions on the ground, including American, Russian, and Syrian government troops, Syrian rebels, and ISIS, this has become an international arena of death, a de facto playground for world war. Although world war and the crisis in Syria are signs of his truthfulness, the promised Messiah abhorred bloodshed and violence, and instead claimed that he had come to end religious wars. He said that he loved mankind with the same love that a mother loves her child, nay, even more so. What mother would not sacrifice her own peace and well-being for the sake of her child? 
So, one can only imagine how much the promised Messiah loved mankind. An expression of his love are his timeless words which he desired to be a means of salvation for those he loved, that is, all of humanity. It is a fire, but all those shall be saved from that fire who love God, the doer of wonders. A new station, the voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the voice of Islam. Welcome back to Wednesday Morning Breakfast Show with myself, Gayum, and Brother Noor and Brother Shujil. And yes, that was a very quick breakfast, man. But that was delicious. And yeah, it was all in my head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the age is showing. <laughs> um, Brother Shujil, we want to conclude the topic of International Women's Day. And I kind of always feel that, um, you know, the best way to finish is some um, narrations from uh, some quotes from the Promised Messiah on whom be peace the founder of the Amli Muslim community of course Hazrat Mirza Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed of Qadiyan on whom be peace of course no uh, I mean, we mentioned this before as well that when Islam was on a decline when people were forgetting the, te the, the teachings of Islam that's when God Almighty sent the Promised Messiah that's when he sent the, the long-awaited Mahdi as well and that was quite rightly what you just mentioned, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, the Promised Messiah, upon whom be peace, the Imam of the age. He revived Islam. He revived the teachings of Islam, the true teachings of Islam. In terms of, um, in terms of the rights of women, he mentioned quite a few things, but I'll just mention um, one or two things. He mentioned that no other religion has safeguarded women's rights as Islam has. Well, It says that he lays down the injunction so beautifully, just as men have rights over women, so do women have rights over men. Um, and he also mentioned, mentioned in another place that the relationship between a husband and a wife should be like two true and sincere friends. After all, the wife is the primary witness of a man's moral, moral high moral qualities and relationship with God Almighty. If his relationship with his wife is not good, how can he be at peace with God? The Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said that the best among you is he who is best towards his wife. So that is, you know, that's what the Promised Messiah of Islam is saying, upon whom be peace. As I mentioned, he was there. He came to revive the forgotten teachings of Islam, the true the teachings authentic, of Islam, yeah. the authentic teachings of Islam. And that's exactly what he did in his writings, is in, in his sayings, in his discussions, in his talks with his companions and with other people of other religions as well. And this is something that we should uh, take uh, take upon as well. Wonderful. Um, no better way to um, conclude the topic. Let's move straight on to our next topic of the morning, which is spectacular fossils reveal a prehistoric rainforest. Brother Noor, if I may come to you, what is the gist of this topic? Well, in essence, um, somebody found in the plot, plot of land that they, um, he'd moved some um, some stones and found something very intriguing. Mm. Um, hundreds of preserved fossils were found in a prehistoric forest that that existed more than 11 million years ago. This is in Australia. Imagine a rainforest was was growing there that, at that time, mm. and he found all these um, very um, well preserved fossils. And you know, for for a few years now. Paleontologists have been going there, and they've been they've been finding even more and more um, 
you know fossils of fish and different animals and things which were in the there was a lake then and a river which was running through there so mm. um it's, it's interesting to see how um so um so, something so well preserved would be found in in such in such stones which people would normally not mm. care to look for uh, look for i mean it's it's interesting as well that sometimes we may see something or someone who who's not a paleontologist or someone doesn't is not familiar with this field as well they might see something they might see a rock or they might see something and they might say oh you know it's, it's just nothing but to someone who actually is in this field they might look at that rock and they might say oh you know what this is actually a prehistoric evidence of whatever and uh, that's it's, it's amazing that we're always learning isn't it we're always learning about new things we're always learning about 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 our own history about earth's own history as well and the more that we know the more we the more we don't know isn't exactly, it yeah. <laughs> i mean we find out more things you know every day and then we think that you know we thought we we know so much but then you know we come to new discoveries and then we realize that you know we we there's so much that we don't actually know as well sometimes we sometimes i think we focus a lot in you know what's happening in space what's happening in mars what's happening on the moon which is which is okay which is good but there's a lot about the deep ocean as well that we don't still don't know about our own home our <laughs> own home isn't it we don't know we don't know much about uh, the earth we don't know that much i mean I, we know a lot but we don't know there's always something there's always new something new there's yeah. always something new, new to happening as well as uh, so, you know sometimes we're talking about dinosaurs and then they say that you know dinosaurs may they may have fur Maybe they didn't roar, <laughs> but you know, you know, I mean, who knows, isn't it? God knows. <laughs> isn't that the true evolution of man, though? Progression, of course. How th- new discoveries get found, um, and you learn new things as time goes by. And I always find it interesting. I remember, well, I think it was a couple of years ago, or just after the pandemic, or during the pandemic. Me and Jujil, I remember we did a show on it in the black hole. This new discovery black of the black hole, yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, Again, I didn't know. Um, it's something. Um, it was, in fact, a, a PhD student um, from United States, uh, a hijab-wearing female, <laughs> who discovered, um, and she um, did a documentary um, on this verse from the Holy Quran, which, when a commentary was found on it. It was exactly the same as the finding hmm. of this new black hole, which had been discovered. Right. Which kind of proved that the Holy Quran has got things in it which we probably don't know are gonna go, because therefore, tomorrow, the day after, they are probably mentioned in there, which will be relevant till the end of time. They continue to manifest the truth. That's right, according yeah. to the time as well. And 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 this is similar, no? Yeah. This this findings, new findings, mm. um, because it will give us a different narrative. Maybe it will change the way we are doing things. Maybe that's how we are. Maybe if 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 we're going down the wrong path, it will kind of take us on a tangent to say, no, no, go that way. You know, even as you're mentioning about mm. the the black holes, as mentioned in the Holy Quran. There's something which um, is is related to this specifically as well. Mm-hmm. This subject of um, you know finding uh, fossils and finding new discoveries in the earth itself. Um, there is a verse in the Holy Quran of chapter ninety nine, verse three. That in the, this, these are all signs of um, of the of the coming of of a reformer. Mm. 
And in that it says, one of them is that the earth will bring forth her burdens, mm. meaning those things which are in the earth will be uncovered and discovered. Um, so in this day and age, we find so many discoveries are being are, are happening all around mm. the world right now. Yeah. Um, you know, so in, in essence, these are all these all serve as a sign as well. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, it, it just draws draws to a conclusion, isn't it, that this was the day and age in which a reformer was going to come. Um, and we talk about this uh, so much as well, that the promised Messiah has come. We believe as Ahmadi Muslims that he has come uh, and, he, and he has taught us this, uh, you know, these different things. But, you know, when it comes to different, uh, different, um, uh, you know, discoveries, yep. it's always fascinating. It's always fascinating to actually um, come about these things, to actually learn about these new things. And to to actually go through this as well, because it's knowledge that we didn't know, and if we if we can sort of give evidence or we we can find evidence that something happened so many hundred years ago, um, that I mean thousands of years ago, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to actually discover that. Awesome. Let's go and talk to our first guest of the morning, um, who can shed some more definitive light on this topic. We've got with us Professor Sarah Gabot, who is a professor in uh, paleontology at the University of Leicester. She travels to South Africa, Canada and China to dig for exceptionally well-preserved fossils that are extremely old from half a billion years ago and show the first ecosystems on our planet. Good morning. Welcome. Assalamu and peace be on you, Professor. Hello. Good morning. Thank you for taking time out for the breakfast show this morning, Professor. Um, Could you briefly describe your role and some of the research you have done in your field? Yeah, sure. So I work at the University of Leicester and as well as uh, teaching our undergraduate students um, in the School of Geography and Geology and the Environment, I also do quite a lot of research. Um, I guess my specialisation is what we call exceptionally well-preserved fossils, Um, So most people think of the fossils uh, that they find as bones and shells and teeth. Um, These are all the bits of animals that are very easy to preserve. And my role is to investigate all the parts of animals that are actually very rare in the fossil record. So all the squishy bits and the soft body parts that usually decay away. Occasionally they do become fossils and that's what I study. Could you explain a little bit as to how the fossils actually form? Yeah, sure. So um, some fossils form in a way that's very similar to food uh, preservation. So we can dry fossils out, mummification, or we can freeze fossils. So you you put food in your freezer and it preserves it. But actually those kinds of fossils are are really rare and they're very short-lived. Most fossils actually form when they get buried um, by sediments and then they become waterlogged. And some of the water contains minerals, which then um, precipitate into the fossils, and then they kind of very, very slowly over time preserve them into stone, which lasts a very, very long time until somebody finds them. So I'm walking uh, through a field and I overturn a stone. I I find a fossil. Why is it important um, for this fossil to be studied? Sure. So around us today, obviously, we have an an amazing array of plants and animals. And we can tell a lot from looking at those, doing the biology of those. But fossils are are only only direct evidence for how life um, has evolved 
through time on our planet and how ecosystems have changed in response to climate and other factors through time. So if you think about it, um, if you find, for example, um, fossils of hominids, so humans to which uh, we belong, um, finding the fossils allows us to answer questions like, did these um, animals walk upright first and then get really big brains? Or did they have really big brains first and then they walked upright? So that's what paleontology fossils can tell you, those sorts of questions. When it comes to um, other things as well, is there, is there anything else that we can find out from fossils? Yeah, so um, for example, at the moment, um, obviously we're going through um, a biodiversity crisis and we're losing a lot of animals where animals are becoming extinct. And this has happened a lot um, over time. Uh, animals, uh, complex ecosystems have actually been on the planet for about uh, 600 million years. And we have uh, four or five times during this period where Earth um, has undergone a very large extinction event. So we can look at extinction events with the fossil record. And actually, at the moment, uh, paleontologists are working with um, ecologists today to try and work out how the current extinction event is going to go, because we can look at the past and see how it went previously. Hmm. Very interesting. Now, you mentioned that you know we can we can look at the past and we can see what happened um, previously as well. Um, talking about discoveries, what discoveries uh, could these new fossil fuel, uh, 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 fossils potentially lead to? What new discoveries? Oh well, um, it's it's difficult to answer this because there are, I guess, uh, so many uh, new discoveries. Um, for example, sometimes we find species that are entirely new um, to our knowledge. So that means that we can um, write about those and we can understand entirely new species. Sometimes fossils tell us a lot about evolution. So we find fossils which change gradually over time and this helps us to understand you know, how we got to the situation where we have today where we have such an amazing diversity of life. And um, fossils can also tell us a lot about ecology and climate as well. So paleontologists use fossils to to understand past climates and how those past climates also affected the life on the planet. So we can get an awful lot of information from our fossil record if if we know where to look and we know what to do with the fossils when we actually find them. The different fossils, when if they're found in different places, such as Australia or maybe South America, or South Africa, uh, I mean, would they would they look different then? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. So one of the things that we can do is um, look at the fossils um, in different continents and find out, you know, what the ecology was like in different continents, and we can relate this to climate change. But also fossils, um, your, your question there is a really good one because sometimes fossils show us that continents were actually um, not separated by large um, oceans, but were actually um, together. Mm. Um, and we know that the plates on the planet have uh, shifted um, quite drastically over time. 
And um, certainly the recent earthquake in, in Turkey shows this. That's a result of these plates shifting around. So um, back uh, um, several hundred years ago, South America and Africa were actually joined together and all the fossils we find on those two continents are the same. And then gradually we see that different fossils occur on the two continents as they drifted apart. Very interesting. Um, finally, Professor, may I ask a question which has absolutely nothing to do with this topic? Yeah, sure. Um, do you watch Friends? Yes. Um, so you're going to ask me about Ross, aren't That's you? right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he told me, he taught me what a paleontologist is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, he's, um, it's funny because um, people either think that I'm a bit geeky like Ross <laughs> or that I'm really cool like somebody, you know, one of the paleontologists from Jurassic Park. Um, and I'd like to think that the truth is somewhere in between. <laughs> Wonderful. You've answered my question. Professor, thank you so much for coming on to The Breakfast Show this morning. I wish you a fantastic day ahead. May peace be with you. Welcome. OK, bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. And that was Professor Sarah Gabot, who is a professor in paleontology at the University of Leicester. Do you guys watch? Have you ever watched Friends? Yeah, I have, but not yeah. to the same degree as you have, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, because yeah. when the, this is the first character and when he was introduced as the paleontologist, you think, who? What? Yeah, exactly. It's a good thing in mm. the sense where new profession and now, like, we're talking to a, a professor in paleontology, so it kind of puts um, uh, some substance into into um, um, uh, maybe um, <clears throat> a, a grain of knowledge you might have. So it's it, and again, there's always a funny side to everything, and and you know, it's a breakfast of a crying out loud. We know we we want we need to kind of lighten the, lighten the mood. lighten the mood a little bit. One thing one thing Professor Sarah mentioned at the end was about Jurassic Park. So I wanted, right. maybe exactly. it's, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if we're really close to recreating those extinct animals or the dinosaurs as we talk about, like in, like they happened in Jurassic Park. Well, I did read somewhere yeah. that that in Japan, I think, and and please don't quote me. They found um, a, a, a mammoth, a woolly mammoth, mammoth wow. Uh, um, wow. and uh, and they were going to take DNA and see if they can look to recreate. Again, this is going back a few years, and and with the advancement in DNA and science and and everything, you know, it does make one wonder if you know Jurassic Park is in 10 years a, a, a real thing <laughs> because <laughs> the idea to be able to well, recreate that had about five Star, six movies Star, us not Star Trek <laughs> Star Trek Star, Star Trek 30 years ago was a film hmm. where you spoke to somebody on your watch yeah and you were in space and you were at Mars and you were you were reaching corners of the earth which you which were beyond imagination it's fantasy it seemed as at the time. Yes. And now we are there. Mm. So, again, where's the limit? We don't know. We really don't know. And the way the world is, is heading um, with the experiments that are going on and with, um, you know, in the name of whatever field it is, um, I, I think our, the progression of, of how we are moving now, the speed is so fast. I mean, look at um, was it two weeks ago we were talking about chat uh, chatbots GP, chat GPT yeah mm. I mean this yeah, thing yeah. gives you an answer in three seconds 
it you know uh, a friend of mine he works in economics um he's a um, uh, he's a, he works in economics in Pakistan mm. and he asked a question <laughs> it's hilarious i'm not going to read out the answer <laughs> but he says give me the economic solution to pakistan's financial problems <laughs> it took 3 <laughs> seconds and he, and he wrote a whole essay how how made good sense. was it though made sense it made, sense. Okay. It made sense. sense but it was but the fact that it did it took three seconds yeah. <laughs> to yeah. to <laughs> to define the economic failures of a country and and why they failed hmm. in 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 such a short amount of time and and you know kids and university students and now everyone is using these these these, uh, tools. Th yeah. these tools for um for using less of their own brain power and yeah. and and the machines mm. and now they're looking to to kind of produce tools to no, they have, I to think curb they have, that. I think they have some things where you have to submit it through a system which checks if something's been AI generated or not. Uh, mm. But in the end, you can see that there are a lot of benefits to it as well. Of course. And but so the fear, the negative side is that yeah. if this does become norm, the number of people that will become unemployed is There's, There will be scary. a lot of misinformation as well, though, isn't it? There will be. Because at the end of the day, it's people mm. putting that information. Yeah, it's like, it's like Wikipedia. Yes. In, in, in a way, in a way. Because people are putting that information. If they put false information in there, yeah. then you're going to get false information, isn't it? That's so true. Then Uncle Google will be wrong. <laughs> that's just, that's sacrilegious. <laughs> you don't want that, isn't it? No, Uncle Google. No, Uncle Google is my favorite. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a fan of Uncle Google. Well, the worst thing, I tell you, I stop, I tell you when I stopped using Uncle Google. Mm. You know, this is going back to 2009. So we're going back, what, 14 odd years? I had a heart attack. And you know, after you have your treatment and you come home, and you know, what's the first thing you do? You, 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 you Google. Uh, so what's going to happen? Google told me. You're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, but I'm alive. It, it tells you that for a flu as it well. It tells you that. <laughs> <laughs> and then it came up with over a million scenarios of the medications, the the route one should follow and since then i thought you know what uncle google i buried you today <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> uncle google uncle google is not gonna work for me um it's better to go out there old school open a book read <laughs> and 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 actually listen to uh, a person who is qualified in any particular field mm. we jest but the problem in all this jesting is that people do think that sometimes the information Google is giving them is 100% factual and it's not the case. Um, there are opinions. Mm. There are studies, researches. How many times have we been on a show and we've discussed a study or a research and there are two different perspectives of, uh, um, of the same topic, but research shows different results. Um, mm. We don't know. Um, you know, it's sometimes we have an overload of information. Um, <clears throat> even even when we're talking about even if you're talking about fossils, right? Yes. If we discover fossils, one person, one paleontologist might view it in one way. Another person might see it, might come to a different conclusion. Different conclusion, exactly. Yeah. Isn't it? As I mentioned before, before we used to think that 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 dinosaurs, right? We're talking about Jurassic Park, isn't it? <laughs> dinosaurs that they were a bit scaly. Now some you know some people are saying some doctors are saying or scientists or whatever. They're saying that you know some of them could have had fur, so they could be furry dinosaurs. And you know how we have this notion that you know they they used to roar like you know the dinosaur in Jurassic Park. Everyone's yeah. heard it. Maybe they didn't do that. Maybe they the noise was something else that they they, they used to make. <laughs> so it's it's interesting the d different conclusions that one can take from that same piece of evidence, isn't it? 
It's so true. So true. It depends on your mindset, doesn't it? Depends on your mindset, yeah. It's on what your imagination is. You know, it's, it goes back to where um, when we look at alien films, we have this warped notion of what an alien looks like. It might be an insect. <laughs> could just be bacteria. It could be it could just, just bacteria. Be... Yeah. An alien is an alien. It doesn't have to be a, a physically formed um, being like a human being. Yeah. But but we kind of create this absolutely bizarre uh, um, uh, cartoonish e. image. Et yeah. you know extraterrestrial. Um, it it it. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, with a you know with a light at the bottom. You know, that's where the mobile phone thing comes in. <laughs> LED lights. Come LED on. light comes on. <laughs> Um, again, it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Um, what's what's the Islamic take on on something like this? I mean, where does Islam fit in? I mean, Islam is a religion which is um, a lot of people might not believe. Um, a lot of people might not know. Islam is actually very progressive and it's very welcoming towards research and new findings. Uh, because as we were discussing at the beginning of the show. Um, a, a lot of the a, a lot of the findings um, describe are, de, are already described in commentaries of the verses, which are found in the Holy Quran. Hmm. Um, it's, it's what would what would it mean to the you know when we talk about that new it's it's a new found, it's it's new, um, it's, it's something that hasn't been found before. So, how does Islam? take that in accordance with um, the way we live today is it's woke is is it a welcoming thing within Islam or or you know sometimes hmm. um, there is this mindset of so-called Muslims who look at something like this and they'll automatically say this is forbidden we're playing with nature we're playing God you know th there is that narrative out there and we are here to challenge that narrative that no Islam is not ancient Islam isn't fixed something that stopped at the time the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, passed away, it continued, and it will continue till the end of time. And science and Islam are intertwined. That's so important because at the moment, we're living in a society where religion and science are, are like on two different tangents. Whereas in, in the authentic teaching of Islam... Uh, science and and religion go hand in hand, do they not? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people do say this as well that wherever Islam teaches, science doesn't doesn't go in accordance with the teachings of Islam. But mm. that's 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 absolutely false. I mean, the person, not the person, the the being that created the law of nature, he was the one who created the law of uh, you know the, of the whole world as well, isn't it? The spiritual law. So if that law is hand in hand with one another. That's when there can be harmony. If he created a law of nature, and then he created a different law, a spiritual law, which was totally against the the the, the nature of the law, the the natural law, then there would be then, then then there would be chaos. Then there would be you know absolutely there would be destruction. There would there would be no harmony. But because he created everything, because he created everything for a specific purpose, and through time that actually came into play and it came out as it is right now and we're discovering new things as well that is you know Islam teaches us to to discover new things to come up with new things to actually think about ponder what over, happened yeah. ponder over what happened in the past I mean Allah, Allah the Almighty mentions in the Holy Quran to actually to, to travel the world and see what happened to the people that were before you guys exactly 
I think that's uh, indicating towards archaeology mm. and paleontology exactly. and geology. Exactly. I think the other thing that um, comes to mind is that it's the time has has borne testimony to the truthfulness of the of the word of God, the Holy mm. Quran. Um, whereas in other scriptures, we may some people may say that there are contradictions. Yeah. The time that has gone past since since the Quran was revealed, ever since then, the word of God has has not been proved wrong. Exactly. And just exactly. as like just the example I was giving before as well, from the chapter ninety nine mm-hmm. of the Holy Quran, which is to do with um, the, the topic that is at hand, I'll just I will just mention some of those verses and I'll just make one point from that. Um, from chapter ninety nine, there is when the earth, uh, peace, uh, in the name of Allah, the gracious and merciful, when the earth is shaken with a violent shaking, that's to, to do mm-hmm. with earthquakes. You can you can understand yeah. that. Yeah. And the earth brings forth her burdens, and man says, "What is the matter with her? With with the earth?" That day she will tell her news. In these verses, we're talking about signs of God Almighty, of His presence, of His mm. um, His truthfulness. Because yeah. He's telling you there will be a time when there will be a number of earthquakes. The earth, that, that the frequency will increase significantly. Mm. In that time, there will be so many discoveries will be from the Earth itself, and people will be like, "What is going on in the Earth?" And at the same time, the Earth itself will be giving you all the all the answers, well, the giving answers you those well. those truths and those and those um, proofs from the past as well, mm-hmm. all those treasures. So in that, it's, what is this referring to? Is like a geological and archaeological and scientific, even spiritual on another on another plane, a spiritual plane as well. There will be a big boom, mm-hmm. and that is what we are seeing in this day and age. And these are all testimony to the truthfulness of of the Word of God, and um, they are showing us that. Um, as as that time comes, you will see that this all this will come to pass, and not just on the spiritual level, but also on the on the material. You can say on the geological, on mm. the scientific, um, and archaeological level, um, this will all come to pass as well. And as, that's exactly what we're seeing with stories like this, which are happening today. Um, you know, the, the, we're finding more and more discoveries um, of of civilizations mm. of um, of um, other creatures which lived in the past and how they're so well preserved. And it's all happening in its own time, and they're all serving a purpose. They're not for us, for a believer in God. These are all a, there's there's a there's a wisdom behind all of this. It's mm. not just it's not just like um, okay, we found it. There's, there's nothing behind that. We just found out what um, what happened in the past yeah. or how something lived. There's the meaning in it because it, because if, for example, if we find out how there was a civilization that was destroyed, we find out how they were destroyed mm. or why they were destroyed. And those are, those serve as, as lessons for us, and they serve as um, as a sign for the for the believers, because um, you know that again we can we can put that in, implement that into our lives, and we can then see how um, how we can benefit from that going forward. And so you know this is very interesting on a on a, on archaeological and paleontological level as well, because this is the, the rainforest, which was um, you know these fossils which are from that rainforest date back to almost between 23 million years ago to 5 million years somewhere between that era which is the um mm. i believe it was the what um miocene period i think it was um but anyway um this from such a long time ago imagine somebody just working in their in their plot of land and they just they just happen to find that when they're just digging a little bit um so i think it's fascinating and um you know i even have uh, have a friend who goes to other countries and he does, he's an archaeologist himself and he says that sometimes when you hit Gold, just mm. um, you know Indiana Jones? No, <laughs> not personally. <Okay. laughs> yeah, but he goes. Sometimes you just hit gold, and it it just fascinates you the way you you find out so much about a people just from digging up a little bit into the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, there's you know, the, the third uh, the third chapter of the Holy Quran also mentions this as well. Towards the end of the chapter, <coughs> Allah the Almighty mentions that in the creations in the creation of the heavens and the earth and in the alteration of the night and day, there are indeed signs for men of understanding. Those who remember Allah while standing, sitting, and lying on their sides, and ponder over the creation of the heavens and the earth, our Lord, Thou hast not created this in vain. Nay, holy art Thou. Save us then from the punishment of the fire. I mean, Allah the Almighty is mentioned over, over over here that there are people who 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 are you know who are standing, who are sitting, lying on their sides, and they ponder over the creation of the earth. They're looking at the stars. They're looking at the alteration of the night and day. They're looking at different things which happen around the world, um, whether it's out in space, whether it's on earth, whether it's different discoveries in the ocean, wherever it may be. All of these things come together and they, they give us that proof that yes, there is a God who created all of these things. And there were people who, who were there before us. There were animals. There were whatever the civilization was before there was definitely something uh, before us. God Almighty created everything at its particular stage, and now we are at the stage that that we're discovering these uh, these di- these different things. But it's 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 important that it's important that all of this tells us and tells us in this realization or re- makes us realize that yes, there is a God Almighty who created definitely created all of these things. You know, you make a, such an interesting point that I. Um, it's a question that comes to mind and it's something that a lot of people um, I come across I have loads of people and they get confused and they refuse to answer this question you talked about how there were civilizations before the true teachings the authentic teachings of Islam doesn't say that Prophet Adam was the first man does it? No first prophet isn't it? First prophet exactly you'd be surprised how many people actually believe across all faiths how he was the first man and when you ask people, well, how did that one man turn into 8 billion people? And they say, well, we don't want to go there and talk about this. Mm. And this is where the the idea of science and religion um, kind of connect. Go hand in hand, isn't go it? Go hand exactly. in hand exactly. with, the, with, with this revived teachings of the promised Messiah. So I wanted to ask both of you gentlemen, both of you are young imams, what is what does what, what do we as Ahmadiyya Muslim believe in Prophet Adam being the first man in inverted commas? Um, you know, and, and going back to what you said, that because my question to a lot of my friends sometimes is well, if you believe that Prophet Adam was the first man on earth, then you surely don't believe in the Neanderthal man, exactly. Hmm. You can't have it both ways. It's been scientifically um, proved that he came around 6,000 years ago. Yes. And man came way before that. Well, mm. you can say... Obviously, yeah. Obviously, there's a, there was a whole process of evolution. Mm. So the Islamic... I think the Islamic perspectives, as I understand it, is that as, as the human being um, developed to a stage where the brain was able to comprehend... And grasp information, grasp, yeah. Grasp good and bad, the different, to distinguish between what is good and what is evil... Mm. That is when God Almighty um, um, felt that they, they, they knew that there was a need for somebody to then guide human beings as to what they should be doing and, able to, and be able to actually discover the one who created them and to worship him. So 
before that, it would have been, you can say, almost useless to send somebody to guide them when they, you know, they don't even understand. The faculty is not there. The faculty is not there. Yeah. But again, as as the development of man continued, that message also continued to develop. So isn't that the true evolution of man? The the, the, the capacity to think yes. and progress? Yeah. Consciousness, isn't it? Because yes. knowing what's right and knowing what's wrong. Isn't yeah. Exactly. But, yeah. but even then, you can see even from the Holy Quran that... Um, it says it's mentioned there that it was very basic teachings which were given at that time, just to cover up your body, mm. and mm. Uh, and just to do certain good deeds, right? Mm. Because th- that is as much as they could understand at that time. Um, because before that, you know, you can understand just like animals. Mm. Um, if you don't understand that, you need to. It's, it's a moral quality to to not be, um, you know, not to be naked in front of other people. Um, that is something which um, which is like the animals, and and Islam is there to raise humanity above that level of. Um, of 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 beasts, you can mm, say, mm-hmm. and so that is why God Almighty would have sent somebody as a as a prophet, and that and we believe that prophet was Prophet Adam, and from there, as man continued to progress, prophets were also continued to be sent to the pe- different people of different mm. nations according to their needs, according to the time, and to give them the the teaching which was required at that specific time, and we believe that that continued all the way to the time of the Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, when when the world was ready to receive one. Uh, message, which mm. is which was to unite a universal message, a universal message. Yeah. whereas there were, as you can you can understand, like at the time of the Jews, you can say the Israelites who were in in the time of the Pharaohs who had enslaved them, right? Mm. They were in a state where they were very lowly mm. and they were humbled to a state where they couldn't even stand up for themselves, mm. and so they needed a teaching which would empower them, and so that law of the Torah, mm. which was given to Moses, was there to. As the, there was the need, they needed that that teaching to bring them up, raise them up, and make them stand up for themselves, and to finally be saved from the mm. from the grasp of, uh, of of the Pharaoh at the time. An eye for an eye. Now let's yeah. go forward to the to the time of Jesus, peace be upon him. Yeah. We believe he is a he is a beloved prophet of God as well, and we believe that he came to re, to show the you know the, the the Jews and the Israelites that you know the the law is not just there to show you that that strong fierce hand of um, a knife an eye tooth for a tooth everything has to be physical um, you know just just pure hard heartedness yeah. he, he came to soften their hearts once more and to show them the aspects of love and to show them that there is mercy as well in the law and now we believe at the time of the Prophet Muhammad peace and blessings of Allah be upon him um, that law was kept, had to be perfected and had to be for everybody not just for that specific nation just as Jesus had universal, said universal yeah what did he say he said I have not come but for the lost uh, tribes of Israel the lost sheep mm. of Israel so you can see that they were Messengers were sent for those times and for those specific places. You know, something interesting I want to I want to add is that hmm. I work in this uh, magazine called The Review of Religions, which was established by the Promised Messiah, peace be upon him, in 1902. Further down the line, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, uh, may Allah have mercy on him, he started a research desk called, and he said, I want you to go out and find all the Adams. Because in, in a narration of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that every prophet is an Adam, mm. is an Adam for the nation. Mm. So we only know about a handful, maybe 25, 30 prophets that we know about. But he said these prophets have come to all the different nations. So we have to believe that, right? We have to find them. And this is this is in line with what we are talking right now, because we have to go through the traditions. We have to go through the... Uh, the archaeology, all, it all plays a part in finding those civilizations. And when you found those civilizations, let's see if we can find if there was a person who guided them as well, because that would have been the Adam for their, for their, for their, for their people. Mm. And so this project has been called the Adam Project. 
Um, not to be confused mm-hmm. with the the film that was recently out with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so there's something which the Review of Religion is also working on, trying to find those atoms. And we have in certain countries found potential where somebody had come and was seen as a, a guide from God Almighty. And they were an atom for their people. I mean, the promised Messiah upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he, he also said that he is the atom of this age, yes. of this day and age as, as well, isn't it? The, so it, it is it is quite interesting to actually to actually come to that realization as well, gentlemen. We need to move on. We have taken um, a lot of time on this particular subject, but it was a very important subject, and we had some fantastic guests who um, put some uh, you know um, <clears throat> put some important light on the topic. But both of you, thank you to both of you, gentlemen, as well, for um, describing and explaining the Islamic perspective of of how one balances. And this topic for our listener out there. Moving on to the final segment of the morning. It is World Wildlife Day. Brother Shajil, hmm. um, last week um, it was uh, World Wildlife Day. What is what is it that we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, I mean, World, Life, uh, World Wildlife Day is actually celebrated annually uh, on the 3rd on the third of March uh, in support of animals and plants worldwide. I mean, this is sort of, uh, you can say, an, an, a second part to, to the previous topic that we just spoke about as well, talking yes. about f- a few uh, fossils and finding new discoveries uh, as well. Um, I mean, the, the event was actually pro- uh, uh, proposed by Thailand and was proclaimed by the United Nations General Assembly during its uh, 68th meeting as well. And they sort of reaffirmed the the natural value of wildlife and its various contributions, inclu- including ecological, genetical, um, social, economic, scientific, I mean, a number of different things, educational, cultural, um, different things to actually sustain development and human well-being as well. So it's, it's a good thing which they, which they have come up with. And in you know, this year, World, uh, World, World Wildlife Day falls on the 50th anniversary of uh, of uh, of cities as well, so is it is quite uh, quite a remarkable time. Wildlife isn't just animals, is it? Well, it's not just animals; it's also no. But in the mind, if one was to say, "Well, it's the wildlife day," you think it's preservation. You're talking about animals because mm. you think of the wildlife. That's, that's what you would think, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But in fact, it's plants, trees. It's living organizations uh, within the wild. Because mm. uh, it's a lot more broader. Than just animals, we tend to forget that plants we do. are living, living creatures as exactly. well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's that's true. my that's my point. Yeah. That even no, I, I was thinking myself here. I was just thinking. I was thinking. Well, we're not talking about animals. We're talking about wildlife. Yeah. And again, it's those preconceived ideas that are already in your head mm. that uh, <clears throat> that one doesn't realize. And the reason I mention that is um, there's a there's a small um, audio. Of His Holiness um, speaking about um, trees, um, which are part and parcel of the wildlife. So I wanted to kind of play that um, for our listener. So let's go and see what His Holiness Hazim Mirza Masuram, the fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah, may Allah be his helper, said on this topic. And my question is, how important is it for Afghani Muslims to fight climate change? Very important. You should use, try to avoid your using car while traveling for a short distance, right? Either walk to that place 
or use bicycle. Hmm? Right? Yes. Cycling is good for your health as well. Secondly, you, every Ahmadi should make it a point that he should plant two trees every year. This is how you can fight climate change. Huh? If you are here, if we have 30,000 Ahmadis here in the UK or more, then every year we plant 60,000 trees. Huh? If not possible here, then those who travel to other countries, they can plant trees there. So in this way, we can help control the climate change. Welcome to the final minutes of the breakfast show. Yes, it's Wednesday. <laughs> you know, we, we were, were, we were having a we were having a, a very serious conversation about mm. the, the wildlife trust. Mm. Um, <clears throat> before, we, in fact, um, you know, we went and listened to His Holiness um, talking about tree planting, which is so so mm. significant mm. in the time that we're living in at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. Where there's you know a lot of deforestation going on. Um, the least we can do is, you know, plant a tree. Yep. The least we can do is plant a tree. And His Holiness has even said that if everyone in the nation um, planted two trees every single year, let's just say there's, there's 30,000 30, people in the community, right? Mm. Everyone plants two trees. That's 60,000 trees. And that's, you know, that that is something which is, you know, giving back to the giving back to the world as well. Um, we need fresh air and we need all of these things. We need the trees as well. If we're cutting, if we're chopping down the trees, if we're chopping down the forests and the jungles, the least we can do is plant the trees as well. One thing I want to mention about wildlife as well, I don't know if you remember as well, but that, you, you know, remember during COVID, hmm. there was this news that because there were less, because there were less uh, uh, traffic on the road, um, there was a lot of wildlife which were coming I out. I remember we did the show <laughs> in, on, on, on the Venice Lake as well. Yeah, that maybe. During yeah, yeah, yeah. the pandemic, the lake, you, it, yeah, got, yeah, it yeah, was so Venice polluted lake. it got black water. But during the pandemic, it cleaned up. They could, cleaned see, up the, they could see the bottom. Yeah. It was clean. Mm. Because obviously, every, it was a lockdown. Everyone was at home. There was yeah. no the know, enemy traffic. of The enemy of the environment, the enemy of the world was in confined. In, in confined. <laughs> yeah. The human race. That was, that was quite interesting, though. That it was, was interesting. interesting. It was interesting, yes. And like the deers and the, you know, the, the birds and, you know, they were out and about yeah. because they, they felt they felt safe, isn't it? They were laughing at us. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that? Ad have you seen this advert? It's on LinkedIn where the dinosaur appears in the United Nations. And he addresses the, the the assembly saying, well, I'm a dinosaur. We didn't have the brains. And we we became extinct, not because of something we did. You're becoming extinct. Something you did. Because something you're doing. Mm. You're worse than us. Yeah, and we, did, <laughs> we, we didn't have the choice of becoming extinct. <laughs> you are making yourself extinct. Wake up. You know, bring some grown-ups to the table mm. and, and, and sort this out because you're ruining the future of the, of, of the children. You say you love so much. Well, love isn't words. Demonstrate, be practical and, and save uh, the planet that you are actively destroying because of ego 
power, pride, one-upmanship, because God forbid if you do not to destroy. Well, it is one-upmanship. <laughs> you know, I can do it. Oh, well, he could. He yeah. done it, so I can do it better. You know, you know, he he fired two rockets. I'll fire three. Mm. Come on, as we say, you know, so many people say, bring the grown-ups to the table, allow the grown-ups to kind of govern the earth, um, who who might you know bring a bit of peace. Uh, to I mean, talking a, a about much-needed Earth at the moment. Talking about climate change and you know, sort of this sort of uh, topic. One thing which they are doing is introducing uh, electric vehicles, isn't it? Yeah, well, which you don't, which I know you don't like. That's not. It's not I know you don't like. It's a, it's a battery, okay? It's a battery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a battery. Electric vehicles to yeah. me is not the future. My, I think, I, I think electric, the industrial, uh, the electrical uh, revolution is ten years. It's going to last ten, fifteen years. I think hydrogen car is the future, personal opinion, um, because to me, I can't see how you're going to get rid of lithium. Um, and now, I'm, what's interesting is the second largest reserve of lithium has been found in Iran. So I want to see how quickly Iran uh, or America mm. makes friends with Iran. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the, and one of the largest reserves of gold has been found in Uganda. So I want to see how quickly America finds uh, terrorism in Uganda. Mm. Well, they'll find <laughs> and and they want to go and liberate. Wage a war there. Exactly. Probably. Well, they want to liberate the Ugandans. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, these two new findings yeah. are very interesting. Very um, interesting. And, and uh, you know, is these kind of things that will define. World Blood sport. diamond all over again. Exactly. It? Exactly. Yeah. You know, w w well said. You know, it is. It is. Uh, that is that film is so um, accurate. Yeah. I mean, in, 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 in proper pays a picture. Yes. Yeah, yeah it definitely does. Um, we are coming up to the hour, gentlemen. Mm. Brother Noor, um, any any comments before we leave? I mean, uh, to do with this specific topic, I remember watching one of the David Attenborough um, documentaries. Mm. Mm. He sh he told us, made a very clear image that what we are doing is not really to save the planet, mm. because the planet, wherever the wherever humans have have left an area, the planet has always regrown there. We are we are working to save humanity. Because we are the ones, without the planet, we are the ones who are going to go extinct. Not the planet itself. It will always regrow. Yeah. This is it's regenerative. Crazy. We are not. We, we, once we are extinct, we're gone. And so that's something we need to always keep in mind. This is not just for ourselves that we're doing it, but for the future generations. So we want human beings to continue. Absolutely. Finally, Absolutely. Um, we are. Uh, last 30 seconds, just going to thank all of our guests for taking time and coming on to the show. Thank you to Nafisa Amini, uh, Namud uh, Sahar, Tahir, uh, <coughs> Mehrushala Ahmed and Mehrish Togar for today's show. Thank you to Brother Noor. Thank you to Brother Shajil. Um, both of them are young imams. A pleasure always to do a show with you. Thank you to you for listening. Uh, please uh, remember us in your prayers. Please forgive any shortcomings on our part. Until we meet again, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.